Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me on a Saturday. I'm your host, Brett Rosenthal. This is a show about quantum mental investing in the stock market. Quantum mental investing really is a, a, a simple thing to understand. We're taking quantitative analysis, proprietary algorithms, and sharing that information with you. That's our execution process. We combine it with a fundamental foundation, and that's the information edge we share every time we do one of these shows for you. What we're going to do today is we're going to talk about week in review in the stock market, what happened, what we think is going to happen next week. We're going to break it down by looking at the indexes. Then we're going to drill down into individual stocks. We're going to look at disruptive growth, established growth, econ reopen ideas. We're going to touch on the cannabis couch together. It's our favorite place to be. Okay. And then, of course, I'll get your questions um, and we'll, we'll rifle through some charts where we just look at charts. We look at entry points, stop losses, and I'll answer any questions you have. Please remember that all the information that I'm sharing with you is information I use to manage my own personal capital. I've been doing this over 30 years. I'm trying to share with you my successes and my failures to make you a better investor. Okay, so I'm not telling you what stocks to buy. I don't know you. I couldn't possibly say, go do this. I don't know your risk tolerance. Okay, you got to figure that out on your own. But using the Armour Report as a guide to help you navigate the market, to give you access to information that we generate is what this show is all about. I want to start today's discussion with a question for you. I want to ask you, why do you care what your performance looks like versus the S&P or any other index. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Why do you care? I submit to you that it's pointless. Judging your performance day to day, week to week, month to month versus the S&P is simply a cudgel that the investment community is using to beat you into submission so that you feel you need their help. Okay, that's what that is. You don't need their help. All you need to do is to develop an investing process. Stick with it. You wanna protect your capital. You wanna capture upside when you can. If you do that, the performance of your net worth will follow. And it doesn't make a difference what somebody else is doing or what some index is doing. Okay? It's, a, it's important that you change the way you think about the process. This is not a game where you're competing with somebody else or competing with an index. This is your net worth. Step one is protecting that net worth. That's what the Armour Report's all about, right? Algorithmic risk management research. We start and we end by managing risk. There are going to be times where we wildly outperform indexes and times where we underperform indexes. What difference does it make? All we care about is looking at our net worth on a three, six, you know, nine, 12-month period. What is the performance are we protecting ourselves? Are we capturing upside? That's it. We're all different people. We all have to understand what our risk tolerance is, what our goals are. And it's not the goals of somebody on CNBC who's talking about performance against X. Okay? Data can always be manipulated. So people can always outperform this, that, or the other thing. And of course, they're underperforming over here. It's just a waste of time and energy. 
focus on your process and your net worth and performance will follow. Those are my thoughts for this morning. Now, um, let's get to where we are in the armor portfolios. You know, we have three index, we have three portfolios. We have the armor index only, the armor aggressive, the armor conservative. I want to talk about that for a second. By the way, if you enjoy this conversation, give me a thumbs up. I appreciate it. You can always subscribe to the armor report, the YouTube channel right down here, or the armor report itself. We have a website for you, give you a deeper dive into these conversations. Take a look, armrreport.com. Before I jump in, I just want to share with you those three portfolios that we um, share with Armor Insiders. As a subscriber, you can see what stocks we own in each of those three portfolios, when we're adding, when we're subtracting, when we're raising cash, when we're getting aggressive, okay? But I want to remind all of you, those portfolios are a reflection of my personal assets, okay? My personal family assets have been divided into these three portfolios. These are three separate um, investing strategies, and that's how we get um, that's how we attack the idea of diversification. Okay, going and buying 50 or 100 stocks is not diversification. That's just like owning an index. You may as well just own the index, right? I mean, it is diversification. It's diversification right to mediocrity. Right? So there's no point in that. You may as well buy the index. So what we say is, uh, on, at the Armour Report, you want to, um, if you want diversification, you want diversification of style of management, right? So we have some of our capital personally in index only, some in aggressive, uh, uh, an aggressive strategy, and some in a conservative strategy. Uh, oh, don't forget, guys, you can fill up this uh, message board, and I'm going to get to Q&A at the end. So um, feel free to do that. So, we have those three separate portfolios set up and we have our capital managed differently. So what happened this week in those three portfolios? Let's start there. Number one, the index only portfolio is still 70% long. The index is 30% cash. Nothing's changed. Aggressive and conservative portfolios have less invested in the market right now. Okay. Less than 50%. So following the armor index strategy, we are underinvested in the other two portfolios. So let's talk about why for a minute. Two Mondays ago, we had this strange like, destruction of leadership stocks. And then for the last two weeks, it's all quiet on the Western front and we're trading in a very tight range. And so what I want to share with you today is for us to change our stance in the aggressive and conservative portfolios, we're going to have to see a break out of this particular range I'm going to show you right now. Let's look at the S&P. Okay. What you see here is a chart of the S&P. SPY is the symbol. The green, the yellow, the red. This tells you what our risk monitor is doing, right? So we're on risk monitor yellow right now. I can just keep moving this over. Nothing's changed there. Okay. This day right here, was that big up morning, close on the lows, destruction of leadership growth stocks, okay? And what you've seen now is just kind of a, a, an attempt to, to recover from that day. Now, on the one hand, if we break out the top side and take out the high of that big down day, that would be bullish. That would, there's no way around it. We would be getting long. We would be buying more things. We would be added to the portfolio, okay? Until that time, we are equally concerned. There is an equal amount of concern that the market could drop significantly or blow out to the upside. So let's first of all, take a look at the weekly chart. You all have seen this chart before. This is the Andrews Fork going all the way back to, the, to 2015, okay? The midline is the uptrend. We are outside of the bounds of the top of this trend. So you're gonna have to tell me why you think that this market's going to blow out to new highs in here. What is the driver? What's the driver? Or are we going to go back into this particular trend range that we've been in since 2015? I submit to you that the most dangerous time to invest in the stock market 
is a time where the Fed is reducing liquidity or a time where the Fed, and let's say the Fed at all, whoever is adding liquidity, that liquidity creation stops. See, the, the market is like a, a drug addict, okay? It needs more and more and more liquidity to walk higher and higher and higher up this trend line, okay? It needs more and more and more liquidity. If you take liquidity away, if you say we're not adding more, even if you say we're going to add the same amount, if you stop adding more, it's very hard for the market to go aggressively higher for an extended period of time, okay? So we had last week Treasury Secretary and the Fed arguing over Fed programs. And for the first time since the low of March, the Fed no longer has a program to buy corporate debt. So we look at LQD as a guide now for equity. Now, that's not a bad looking chart there. Possible to continue to go higher. But I would submit to you that it looked like a pretty good chart right here, too, right before the market imploded. Okay? So it's not the uptrend that matters. It's what happens if there's a breakdown. So I want to share with you real quick what the market looked like. And there's a lot of craziness on this screen. Now I'm looking at a three-minute chart of the S&P going back to the beginning of November. So now we're kind of uh, um, taking that daily chart and we're zooming in with a microscope to see what's been happening. These purple lines that you see, these dashed lines here, okay? This is 3,500. This is 3,600 on the S&P. And you can see all we've done in the month of November is have wild volatility within that range. Huge volatility, massive gaps up, massive gaps down. I haven't done the analysis and, and actually checked, but there are so many gaps this month. I feel like it's, it's, a, it's a month where there's been more gaps in the market than I've ever seen in my life. I could be wrong. That's just anecdotal. But what you're seeing is simply trading inside of a range with wild volatility. And let me just, let me just zoom in real quick so you can see more recently. This is yesterday's action. Friday's action, Thursday's action, okay? You can see right in here, Wednesday's action, it tried to go above 3,600 and failed miserably, right? Okay, so to sum up this part of the discussion this morning, there is no direction in the month of November. There's wild volatility. There's capital destruction if you're in the wrong names, and yet, some names are blowing out to up to the upside. So it's the armor investing way is to put capital to work when we have confluence across the market, because that's when the probabilities are at their highest that we can actually invest and have confidence that our portfolio will increase over the coming weeks and months. When we have wild volatility in a range, when small caps are blowing out, and big caps are collapsing, the probabilities of success for an investment going forward, I'm not talking about day trading. It's a beautiful month for day trading, right? I'm not even talking about swing trading. Put a trade on, it rips for a week and you sell it, good for you. I'm talking about investing a portfolio for an extended period of time. That's what we look for at the Armour Report. We put capital to work when we see that window, we protect capital when the window is unclear or collapsing, okay? And right now we're unclear. And so we protect capital. We've had a huge year at the Armour Report. You all know this. We've made a lot of money this year. So there is just no need for us to take aggressive risk when there's no clear direction and no confluence. And so we tread lightly. What I want to do now is just look at a couple of stocks with you. Okay, because um, different parts of the market are telling different stories. So if we look at some of the leadership stocks, you know, we love Pinterest here at the Armour Report. Okay, that's an unbelievable weekly chart. 
right? The stock's almost at all-time highs. So these are disruptive growth stocks, right? Pinch was gapped down with the market on that terrible day, and it's just immediately recovered, gone to new high. Already taken out the high of that terrible day, right? How about Roku? Roku made a new high this week. So here's the gap down from the previous Monday, and it's just, boom, shook the whole thing off, made new highs, okay? A new addition to the top of our whiteboard is Snap, okay? Snap has the same look and feel of Pinterest and Roku and Trade Desk, and they are all the new madmen, right? They are dominating the new ad paradigm. It's no surprise that these, star, these stocks literally are leading all of the disruptive growth stocks. So these stocks look great. There's nothing wrong with these chart patterns. Okay, and if anything, you could say, hey, they shook off the collapse of two Mondays ago pretty, you know, fairly well. Here's, let's look at Twillow. Here's another name. It got wrecked up. Oh, it's already popped up and recovered. All right. Take a look at Etsy. This was a huge down stock that day. Right. But now Friday, it just popped up and closed the gap. Okay. How about Square? Square, about to go to make a new high. So on, on the one hand, you're going to say to me, these stocks look great. How could we miss these stocks? Why wouldn't you put money to work? And I would say to you, have at it. Okay. The Alma report is a reflection of how I like to invest. And it's a guide. You want to take it and make it your own. You want to take the information, make it your own. Okay, I don't know your risk tolerance or what you're willing to accept. You do. Okay, so how would I use the information if we are going to be cautious? You don't have to be as cautious as us, but maybe it just makes you think a little bit. How big are your position sizes, right? How much risk are you willing to take? In the bottom of March, when we were risk on everywhere and we were risk monitor green, we were grabbing with two hands and the S&P was down 40% from here and we were putting money to work. That was a time to be aggressive. And so what I'm saying today is you've got names that are breaking out. You could play if you want, but I'm asking you to ask yourself, is it the same setup now as it was then? So how aggressive do you want to be? Let's take a look at this chart again. Okay. How aggressive do you want to be? Down here, we had a risk monitor green signal right here. That's when you want to be aggressive. How aggressive do you want to be when you're already at the top side of a trend channel that's been in place since the, uh, uh, 2015? And so now I'm going to ask you this question. We looked at a couple of disruptive growth. They look great. What does the leadership look like? Established growth. Well, that doesn't look good at all. Microsoft can't get out of its own way. How about Apple? Well, no, Apple seems to be going nowhere at the moment. How about Netflix? No recovery net in Netflix. How about Facebook? Nope, can't seem to do anything. Now, I know some of you are going to want to say to me, I mean, actually, how about Google? Google is one of my favorite big cap names. Not quite going anywhere, right? Not making a new high. But then again, it didn't sell off too much either when the market cratered. So that's pretty good. How about Amazon? Okay. Nothing. Doesn't look very good. Okay. Now you want to say to me, well, Tesla looks great. Hey, guys, Tesla is a one-off situation based on an addition to the S&P 500. Okay. That's got nothing to do with what I'm talking about. And it's great that it went up. And if you own it, I'm glad you made money. But don't, don't misconstrue that this thing is going up because it's a great investment and its business model is exploding and earnings and revenue are doing great. This thing ripped higher because it's being added to the S&P 500. All right. So we look at those two pictures and we see some leadership names, which are on the armor whiteboards, getting away from us. I don't own it. And stocks are going, I don't own Roku right now. Stocks are running away, right? Drives me crazy. But that's why we build a whiteboard. We fill up the whiteboard with a bunch of names I love. If I miss one or two, I don't care. Hey, guess what? I've been doing this a long time. And I can tell you with a fair amount of certainty that the market almost always gives you another opportunity to buy your favorite names. 
Maybe you have to pay more for them. Sometimes you pay less for them. Okay? We, sometimes we get too myopic in a particular move that happens for a couple of days and we think we've missed something. I challenge you to look back at all of those times you felt that way and then look at the stock over the next three months. Did you get a shot at it again? Probably did. You probably did. Okay? So we build a whiteboard. We have a lot of names on it. Some of them run away. That's fine. When we're ready to put money to work, others will take their place. And that's the portfolio we'll build. And sometimes I find that it's actually a good thing to let a couple get away because it proves to me, hey, the market's healthier than I think. So if we then see averages take out the highs of two Mondays ago and five or six names off the whiteboard set up, I'm going to tell every Armour Insider in the Slack room, this is it. And here are the names. And it won't matter that Roku's gone. We'll be buying the other names and they'll blow out. Great. We'll make money there. Okay. So last thing I wanted to look at real quick was to rip through the economy reopen names because they're the flip side of these growth stocks. So we've seen disruptive growth looking good, established growth looking kind of dead. Nothing's happening there. And, and then we see what's like Disney doing. Had the big up day and it's just consolidating that move. Nothing's really happened there. Um, I think Ulta Beauty is one of my you know, economy reopen type of names. I like that chart. That's holding up pretty good. Um, how about Jets? I don't have any interest in Jets, but my point is you can look at this to see how's it doing. Here was the big up day. If it takes out the high of that day, then you've got a real move on your hands. If it doesn't, it breaks back down. This is a one-day wonder. Okay? People got all excited about the Pfizer news here when they said, hey, it looks like we have a decent vaccine. Then this week they said, yeah, we do have a decent vaccine. And they started giving ship dates and, and the stock isn't even close to the high. It actually looks pretty, pretty lousy. I don't understand. I mean, now the news is real and they're starting to lay out when they're going to ship product and how they're going to get it to, you know, millions of people and the stock doesn't go anywhere. You know, how about MGM? Not a bad look, right? When these are just some economy reopen names that I like, right? Lower, making lower highs so far, not really going anywhere. So you can see what I'm saying when I, when I say that there's no confluence in the market. We just looked at three separate segments. Disruptive growth is starting to wake up. It looks pretty good. Established growth doing nothing, maybe going down a little bit. And the econ reopen names are just consolidating that one big update. So the conclusion to all this is we build our whiteboard, we get ready. If we break out above 3,600 definitively, we'll probably be adding names to armor portfolios. On the flip side, if we break below 3,500, things could get very ugly. Okay? And so you're, this is why we're in this position of waiting. Okay? Um, Last thoughts on the, <clears throat> the cannabis couch, and then I'll get to uh, Q&A. Um, but let's take a look here. Because I, I, I was chatting with some people this week, and there's some concern, it seems, that the stocks are going down. Um, I don't know. What, what's the concern? What's the, they had a down week. What's the concern? It's not happening on your timetable? It's not going straight to the moon like an EV stock right now. What, what's the problem? Let's look at the charts. And I submit to you that there, there is no problem. What you had, let's take a TCNNF, okay? What, what we had here was an entrance. Everybody, Armor Report insiders know. Armor insiders are aware. We were buying the MSOs right here. They ripped higher into the election, which was a major success and into blowout earnings. Now, unless you're really a, a complete beginner in the stock market, and if you are, then I'm going to offer some information for you. And, and you're off the hook. It's okay, because maybe you don't know this. But for all the rest of you who've been doing this for a while, is it really a shocker that stocks sell off on the news after running up into the news? I mean, aren't you used to that yet? It happens everywhere. It doesn't mean anything, okay? 
That's my thought on the cannabis couch. It means nothing. And in fact, what we've been saying at the Armour Report is that we're looking for this sell-off, which is typical, runs up into the election. The election was a success. All these MSOs are blowing out numbers. Stocks sell on the news. Beautiful. I hope they sell on the news so that I can increase my position size. That's where we stand. Okay. And we've been doing research on this ETF. Okay. And I'm going to, do, uh, to share with you my findings from uh, conversations I've had with the fund manager and um, the research that we've done to kind of dive into the structure of this ETF. I'm going to do an exclusive um, video just for, you know, all of you Armor Insiders. You've already seen episode one of that video, right? I talked to you this week about um, our preliminary findings about MSOS and whether or not this can be an investment in our portfolios. I'm going to do a follow-up video for Armor Insiders this week, and I'll share that with all of you on YouTube um, when our, our, our research is complete. But this is definitely an asset that you all can start doing your own research on. Start digging yourselves because it's very possible this is an asset that um, should be considered for a portfolio. And I'll, I'll explain more of that in a future video. But having said, so look what the stock did, right? It blew out. This is all the US MSOs, right? They've blown out from, you know, what, uh, the low 20s, you know, to 30. So you're looking at like a 50% move. And so now you're going to get, hopefully, a consolidation. God, I'd love to see this thing back down at the 50-day moving average. Okay? And, and guess what? The Armour Report is never about buying a location as it goes down. The Armour Investing Way is really, you know, a three-step process. We like to buy weakness in the midst of strength with top day strength. What that means is we get an uptrend like we have an MSOS. That's great. That's the strength. We look for weakness, which hopefully is happening now, that takes us to a location. Then we look for top day strength, the trigger day that tells us the weakness is over and it's time to get invested. That's what we're looking for. Okay. And in the armor for Armor Insiders in the Slack room, you know, all day we're sharing information about this. And when we see that trigger occur, boom, I'm going to share it, right? I'm going to put it right up into our channel called Armor Portfolio Updates. Okay? So if anything, as I watched these stocks sell off at the end of last week, I absolutely love it. I mean, I just love it. Bring them right down to us and then give us that reversal day. Boom, we can put money to work. That's where my head is right now on the cannabis couch. And I would like to see, you know, I'm following this closely, canopy growth, right? I mean, for some strange reason, the cannabis stocks have been following the economy reopen names. I don't know why. I mean, maybe they're just value. Maybe it's a value play. But anyway, so um, this is just a consolidation up at the top of this range, right? And we'd like to see 25 taken out next week. That would be brilliant. We feel like to a certain degree, um, you know, OPEX was on Friday and it created a lot of overhead in a lot of these names. So we'll see if next week that overhead is lifted and these stocks can really run. Okay, the Canadian names we follow uh, closely are Kronos and CGC because of their balance sheet, basically. You can look at other names if you wish. We like to focus on the best balance sheets in the business. And that's without a doubt, no one's even close to Kronos and Canopy. And that's why I talk about it so much. All right. So that about wraps up my uh, prepared comments, if you will. And I'm opening the floor to questions. What have you got for me? Let's start going over chart patterns. Let's have an armor chart chat, shall we? Oh, you know what? Let me start the chart chat with a review. Um, an armor insider, JC, was asking me this question. And so let's... Oops, that's not what I wanted to do. Let's start right here with um, DraftKings. Okay. He's asking what I think about DraftKings in here, that chart pattern. First of all, I like the chart pattern. Okay, It's performed really well last week. Got a couple of upgrades from um, 
some investment banks, which is typical after doing a secondary, you get the upgrades. <clears throat> so um, I'd love to buy this on weakness. I'm not buying it up here. It just you know went back above the 50-day moving average. <clears throat> Excuse me. But if we get some consolidation in here, I think it looks pretty good. I and mean, I actually like DraftKings. So I'm looking for an entry point. And I would say, well, let's put that at the top of our whiteboard. And if we're going to do that, we can't do it without following Penn as well. Okay, because they're almost hand in hand. You want to kind of own both. So I like Penn in here. This is the first stage base, rally up, pull back to 50-day, holding. I'd like to own that stock. And to round out my, you know, my, um, uh, you know, um, gambling investments, if you will, let's go with uh, MGM Resorts. That's the other. So I like that more than Win, But I'm sure Win will work also. They're all kind of the same. But I like MGM. I like that chart pattern. Okay. So I'm looking at all of those, all three of those names would be at the top of our whiteboard, things to look at, look for pullbacks to locations with reversal triggers. Tech Monkey, good morning, Deb. How are you? Hope you're having a good weekend. All right, um, Kevin. Hi, Brett. Watching for a while. Hope to become a member. Kevin, we can't wait to see you in the Slack room. Was wondering your thoughts on BB as they have switched their focus to software security. Hmm. BB. Oh, BlackBerry. Hmm. Let's take a, I forgot all about BlackBerry, right? Holy smokes, BlackBerry. Any, anybody remember when they were called RIM? Yeah, look at that chart. You know what? I'm going to write that down, Kevin. I think that's uh, an interesting idea to do some research on, see if there's anything there in BlackBerry, because that chart looks pretty, uh, Pretty compelling. But I haven't looked at this story in so long, I couldn't even begin to wax poetic on it. Okay? So we'll, um, we'll do some research on that. And rem remember to ask me again next week. All right. Uh, bleachers, exactly. Money managers are not worried about protecting $2 million. It's a huge difference if you're... 10 million and nothing in common with 1 billion. I'm not exactly sure what you mean by that. Uh, but um, okay. <laughs> All right. Looks like a uh, box is ready for a breakout. Let's take a look. Hmm. I imagine what you're saying there about money managers is my question that I was asking all of you about why do you care what somebody else is doing or what some index is doing? It should have no bearing on your decision process. The decision process should be about protecting capital, capturing upside, and doing it at a level where the risk tolerance fits your personality. And you just follow that process and the, and, and the portfolio performance will follow. It's like my dad always said to me, you know, um, when I was thinking about what I was going to do with my life, my mom and my dad always said, don't ever chase the money, do something you love, and the money will follow. It's the same theory. Do, do a process that you love that suits your personality, and the money will follow. And it will follow at the pace that's right for you. It doesn't have to be the pace of somebody else or some market. All right, moving on. Uh, box. Cloud base. Okay. Oh, oh. oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, I have, I have to do a little work on it. I haven't looked at it in a while. The 38 relative strength doesn't really interest me too much. Uh, truth be told, the chart pattern doesn't interest me too much. But I'd have to listen to some conference calls to see. Um, it looks like some you know, earnings are really starting to come through on this thing. Holy smokes. Look at the last quarter, 18 cents versus a penny, 10 cents versus negative three. So maybe you got something there. All right, I'm going to write this down too. I'm going to do some research, listen to some conference calls, see if there's anything here in Box and BB, and we'll, we'll uh, reconvene next Saturday and, and ask me again. Maybe I'll have an answer. Erez, man, nice to see you. Glad you could join. Sean, would you – would a strangle make sense if you're afraid downturn in a melt-up? Um, so Sean's, uh, uh, Sean's asking about a, um, an option strategy. 
a strangle, right? So putting uh, puts and calls together so that if there's a blowout one direction of another, you get paid. And the way you don't get paid is if we stay in the tight range and go nowhere, okay? So for those of you who are sophisticated um, uh, options players and understand what Sean's talking about, I think, Sean, you're absolutely right. I think that's, it's ideally set up for that. But I'm not an options player like that, and I don't know if everyone's already thought of that, so I don't know if the premiums are at a level that don't make any sense. Do you know what I'm saying? So I can't give you that analysis. But if you're an options guy and you think that it makes sense and you've done that analysis, this is the time for that type of a trade. Um, Bleachers is asking, what was the probability of further declines back in March or retests in April? That's a great question. So I say it was a no-brainer for us to put capital to work like we did um, at the Armour Report back in, uh, in late March, early April. And so um, the way this works, just so you understand the, the Armour algorithms, first of all, the, the, the probabilities in our favor, what that means to me is having done algorithmic work and come up with a strategy that works for me in a process, when I get all seven of our indexes, the algorithms for all seven telling us the same thing, the probabilities are at their highest. Now, I'm not going to throw out a percentage for you because some years are different than others, okay? So this year, the percentage success has been incredibly high. We've really only had one entry point that failed and we had to raise cash and lose some money. So that's rare, okay? Um, and so it, really, it could vary between years. If I gave you um, a rough estimate, I'd say maybe 70% of the time. When we get all indexes, telling us it's risk on at the same time. There's about a 70% probability that assets will go up enough for us to raise stops and book profits. Now, I don't know how much money we're going to make. Sometimes we make a lot of money. Sometimes it's a little bit of money, but you can protect capital at that point and manage your success, as I like to say. So um, in March and April, the, the probability of success was off the chart because you'd had a 40% collapse in the market. And so when you got that confluence off of the bottom like that, it doesn't happen very often, right? I mean, you don't have 40% declines in the S&P except for maybe once a decade. So there's no statistical proof that that entry point, you know, it's like 100% successful because there's only a couple times in the last, what, 20 years where you get that opportunity. But um, um, it definitely is a function of how far down the market has gone. So when it goes down so much and then you get this confluence across the board, part of it, and I don't want to get too lost in the weeds here, but part of it has to do with gamma and option behavior. 20 to 25% of the volume on the exchanges are options market makers. When someone buys a call or sells a put, they're doing the business with a market maker in most cases. And what that market maker has to do is then put a position on. So if he sells a call to you, he's short the stock. So if he sells a lot of calls to you, so if a lot of call buying is going on, the dealer's out there every day buying the underlying asset to match his position, and it can create a cascade higher. And the truth, uh, it, it unravels fast on the downside as well. Okay, people are buying puts like crazy forces the dealers to short the market. Okay, but when that ends and you get a confluence risk on entry point after a massive sell off, the rip higher off the bottom, the probability is enormous. And don't forget also from the armor report, it's about reward versus risk. That's what makes it um, a, a trade we're willing to put on. The reward from that entry point was enormous. What was the risk? that the market dropped another 5%? Okay, we had massive alpha at that point, right? We got out of the market the first week of the market crash in, in, in February. So our alpha was huge. So how tough was that decision to put our capital to work down there and risk a tiny amount of alpha? In fact, it wouldn't even risk alpha. The market dropped another 5% and we lost some money. So what? Right? So the reward was enormous. The risk, totally manageable. And we had the confluence. 
what I'm saying now at this stage in the market is there's no confluence. We're right at the highs, okay? Can the market keep grinding higher? It can, but I would submit to you that the most dangerous times in the market is when liquidity is being reduced or limited. And with the comments from uh, Mnuchin last week, it's being reduced. I don't care what people tell you on CNBC. I don't care how you, people try to dress it up, try to tell you, oh, it doesn't matter. Nobody was using the facility, whatever, man. It, bottom line, when the facility was announced at the end of March, that was the time to get in and we had a massive rip. Now the facility has been retracted. Okay, risks are higher, period. Boy, you got me off on a tangent there. <laughs> Sorry, that was more than you wanted to hear. Um, all right, I've seen that intraday, there's typically reversion in situations where the, the daily is trending. Is this accurate? Oh, so intraday, so you're in an uptrend and the market runs higher. Does it revert back to the mean? Absolutely. Even in uptrends, it'll revert back to the mean. You know, um, let's take a quick look at um, this intraday chart that we use a lot on our trading desk. This is the S&P. Okay, and all these lines here, what we call it is the price movement profiler, the PMP. Okay, the Armour PMP, price movement profiler. And what we use is VWAP and standard deviations and um, average true range highs and lows. That's what all these lines are. Um, Fibonacci extensions above and below. And, and even in big up markets, what you'll see is you know, something like this. Whoops. Oh, I didn't want to move that. Okay. What you'll see is a run right up to the top. And so, you know, and then a quick reversion back down to the mean, which is what this is. So even in rip roaring up markets, they get ahead of themselves. They get X standard deviations away from the mean. Then it comes back to the mean. The mean's still in an uptrend, but you still get trades back to the mean. All right. Uh, moving on. All right. I know, uh, I know not much has happened in precious metal lately, but I'd like to get your recent thoughts on PMs and the miners. Yeah, well, PMs and the miners. We still own shares of Sprott Physical Gold, okay? So we haven't, show, we haven't sold those um, shares at all. We bought them at the bottom in March, okay? So we're just chilling out with this position as long as it stays above the 200-day uh, moving average. We're leaving that position alone. We bought the position right in here. I think actually it was this day when it popped above the 200-day, we bought it. So as long as it holds a 200-day, we're staying with that position. GBX, you know, clearly failing. So I told you all, you know, a couple weeks ago, we exited every position. I think it was the 9th of November, right? Stop losses, stop losses, stop losses, okay? You've got to use them to protect yourself from yourself. The Armour Investing Way is about three stages. Build the whiteboard fundamental ideas you want to own. Use quantitative execution strategies, algorithms. We provide that at the Armour Report, okay? And you must use stop losses. I don't care how good the whiteboard research is, and I don't care how good your execution is using algorithms. If you don't couple it with stop loss rules, you end up looking at a portfolio that's getting killed, and, and it's very hard to work your way out of that. So I hope that's not happening to anybody that's following the armor report, because even though we put positions on at the beginning of November, when it failed, we hit stops, we got out of everything, and that's it. And so are we looking for another entry point? Absolutely. I just don't, I don't see it anywhere in the cards yet. So if we see it, if it happens, I, the day it's happening, Armor Insiders will know, right? Because we'll list it in the Armor Portfolio Update channel in our Slack room before the end of, the, uh, of trading that day. But I just don't see anything about it right now. And I guess that's why I haven't really talked about it recently, you know, because there's just nothing to say. Um, can you talk about consensus versus contrarian best practices? Not exactly sure what, I mean, I know what you mean, contrarian versus consensus. Um, I, I wouldn't consider myself either. I would say, or I would say I consider myself both. 
I mean, depending on what the algorithms are telling me, sometimes it's in consensus and I'm trading the momentum with everybody else. And other sides, other times I'm a contrarian because of what my execution algorithms are telling us. So um, I'm not sure what best practices means. I'm going to have to move on from that. Maybe you can explain what you're asking me. Thoughts on RKT and, okay, let's take a look at a couple stocks here. RKT. Oh, yeah, Detroit-based, yeah, digital solutions, mortgage. Mm-hmm. Well, two things. Number one, um, I generally don't buy new issues. I like to see a stock trade for at least six months before I buy anything. And that's because I use algorithms to find execution points. And I need at least six months of data. And even then, that's not always enough. But I need at least six months to have a statistically significant opinion. And so I have none right here. So now's the time to do research on Rocket to see if I want to own it at some point in the future if the right chart pattern sets up. That's what I would say there. Um, Norton LifeLock. I don't know, you know, um, maybe I just am biased against it, but it's saving me money right now. I, I used Norton at one time and I got rid of it. I, I just, I just feel there are other and better ways. I, I don't see how this thing really, this is just my own personal opinion about the business model. I don't see the differentiation. It's a crowded space with a lot of opportunity. And so I just don't see why I would want to, I look for business models with high margins, high barriers to entry, low competition. Norton LifeLock doesn't meet those criteria, and that's why I don't own it. This is not a recommendation to sell it or whatever. Do whatever you want. You're asking me my opinion. It just doesn't register. I don't, it doesn't make it to the whiteboard for me. Uh, hey, thank you, Michelle. I appreciate that. How, uh, how nice to see you. For those of you who don't know, Michelle Rosenthal is my sister. <laughs> All right. Um, ID Doc, thanks for the, oh, oh, ID Doc. Hey man, thanks for, for joining us today. And I'll see you in the Slack room on Monday. Rich, I can't recall exactly the way Jay Powell put it, but he said yesterday they're going to be loosening quantitative easing. How does this affect the market? If a loosening quantitative easing, I don't even understand what that means, Rich. What, what does that mean? Loosening, loosening quantitative easing. If it means they're doing less quantitative easing, then that's a negative. But that's a strange word to use, loosening quantitative easing. Because if they tighten, normally if you, if you tighten, that's a bad thing. I don't know. I don't know what he said. I didn't hear that comment. So it's hard for me to figure out what that would mean. Um, but what I will tell you is if Steve Mnuchin is pulling back liquidity, and the Fed is doing anything other than stepping on the gas when we're trading at the very top outside part of that Andrews fork, the risks are higher. That's all I would say. It doesn't mean the market can't keep going up. It could. I could be on the wrong side of this for a month or two. It's possible. You know, but I don't care. I care about protecting my assets and only putting capital to work when the reward's worth the risk and probabilities are at their highest. That's what I care about, all right? Um, base metal, zinc, copper, lead. Matthias, you know what? Not, it's not a bad idea if you believe the economy is going to reopen, but I submit to you then why wouldn't silver be going up? I mean, silver is in all electronic devices. I mean, there, there should be massive demand for silver. So silver is the play I like, you know, but... Zinc, copper, lead. Um, this is my thought about that. Generally, those assets, this is just general now. We're spitballing, all right? This is anecdotal. I'm not giving you some set in stone piece of information. But those products work best when the economy's picking up and taking off. And, you know, so we haven't even started to recover yet. You know, but those commodities will, you'll see those prices rally in commodities when the economic recovery is underway, not, not before it's underway. 
is my guess. And um, this is not a political discussion, okay? This is just simple economic uh, understanding. If um, Democrats do what they say they're going to do and jack up taxes dramatically on corporations, any bounce back in the economy because it reopens will get squashed because of terrible policy. So I don't know. The GDP growth does this. How do you get massive moves higher in base metals? I don't know. Um, overstock. Yeah, Bruno. I mean, you know, we've avoided the overstock sell-off. But at some point, with, with their connection to Bitcoin, you, you would think overstock would be a winner. So uh, it's still on my whiteboard. I'm still thinking about it. I just don't see an entry point into the stock right now. I just don't. I can't figure it out. The earnings announcement was kind of, you know, blah, 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 that nobody really liked it. The stock sold off on it. It's something to keep an eye on to see if a chart pattern sets up that's worth it. SDGR looks a lot better. You know this is on our whiteboard. I like the idea. Um, I'm going to put that, I'm going to write that down. I need to do some more research on that. So SDGR is, is really a winner that I've got to do some work on because we might want to own that name. Don't forget they raised a lot of capital here. So they've already done the capital raise. The stock sold off. It's put in a double bottom right at 60. That's something really to focus on. Thanks for reminding me about that, um, Bruno. I'm going, to, I'm going to look into that next week. ICLN, ICLN, Clean Energy Index. Well, don't forget, I, I, I have to go back and look, but um, usually any clean energy index uh, is overweighted Tesla in a major way. Okay, so Deb, this isn't really a, um, uh, a chart pattern that I'm willing to buy right here. And I feel it's getting extra juice because Tesla is being added to the S&P 500. And when that juice is over, um, what happens next? So I, I can't pay up for that stock. You know, like Deb, you know this, you've been following long enough to know that we look for weakness in the midst of strength. So the strength is there. Now I need weakness to set up an entry point, And then we could talk about getting long. And that's the armor investing way. Um, plug and blink two names that are on the list to do research on and watch, but again, two names that are just too far away from any kind of entry point for the armor investing way, right? The stocks are definitely on the list for research. If you're making money there, well done. <laughs> that's, that's cute. That is cute. That is cute. My sister and I have worked together on many projects over the years, you know, so um, fun to see her in, uh, in here. What's your view on shop? Erez, that's a good idea. Let's take a look. We've, you know, I mean, so right, right now, there's nothing doing with that chart pattern, right? I don't really love that pattern. Um, it is a name that would be, it, we'd like to own at some point. Um, let's go look at this chart. Let's zoom in on shop for a minute. A little nicer on that chart, huh? All right, so certainly we have the strength, right? And um, this whole consolidation going back really to July is what we're looking at. So you know, you can get weakness. It doesn't have to be a collapse in price. It could just be a consolidation in time. And I think that's what Erez is, is pointing out here with a nice double bottom at the 100-day moving average. So why don't we put that on the list and talk about it um, in the Slack room on Monday, Erez? Not a bad idea. I think maybe what we'll have to do is some, some research. You know, I'll um, step on a conference call and see if I can't... Um, get a better feel, but certainly the pattern doesn't look that bad. And a double bottom at the 100 day moving average after a four, one, two, three, four, five months of consolidation could be setting up the next entry point. So let's, let's keep it on our, on our radar. How do I explain insider selling when there's an, when there's 
an extremely good piece of news. Um, insiders sold like crazy. Okay. First of all, let me tell you, I don't care about insider selling. What? What did he just say? That's a shocker. Rewind. Let's say that again. I don't care about insider selling. I care about insider buying. There's only one reason an insider buys. It's because he thinks the business is going higher, right? Why else would he buy? But you have no idea why insiders sell. First of all, they could have 100% of their net worth wrapped up in their stock. And I think it's a completely legitimate thing for them to do to sell some of it at high points to diversify their portfolio. I don't see anything wrong with that. Uh, second of all, in many cases, insiders have planned sales, okay, that are happening automatically regardless of where the price is or what the news story is. And so sometimes you'll see a sale and then there's an announcement and you think it's connected and it may not be. Some of those sales could have been set up months ago and being, and they're executed constantly. So I don't waste too much time worrying about an insider sale because I'm just never get really, get, really going to know what the reason was. There's only one reason for an insider buy, though, and that's what I pay attention to. Are fund flows in your model? Bleachers, my friend, it sounds like you, know, you should really be an Armour insider, and we can talk one-on-one. -on -one. That's part of the privilege of an insider. Pick up the phone, and you and I can chat one-on-one -on -one about it, and I can answer all of those questions. But I, I don't have a lot of time left, so I'm going to keep flipping through. Okay. Um, and I mean, obviously fund flows have a, a part of it, but there's a lot that goes into the algorithms and it would take a, a lot longer of a conversation. All right. Um, thoughts on um, Alibaba or no. Um, yeah. Um, Alibaba. Right, it's interesting. You asked this question. I actually did a video and released it um, uh, under our uh, playlist um, I think it was Armor Chart Chat. I did it this week because I had insiders asking this question. So let's take a peek and we'll go over it again right here real quick. So um, first of all, guys, I don't buy Chinese stocks. In most cases, almost every case, I just don't buy Chinese stocks. All right. And, and let me tell you why real quick. This is not to say you can't make a lot of money in Chinese stocks. God knows people are doing it in the EV stocks right now. But the Armour Investing way is to do research, fundamental, on ideas. The way I do that is literally by picking up the phone and talking to management, listening to conference calls, following earnings announcements, okay? Trusting the numbers. Chinese companies, I can't do that. And so it's just an opportunity cost of money for me. I only have so many stocks I can put in a portfolio. I'm more comfortable putting that capital in companies where I feel I can access management. That's just me. So now let's go look at BABA as a chart and forget about my personal opinions on the fundamentals and, and those types of things. Alibaba had a nice breakout right here of this cup and handle, okay? It rallied and now it's broken that uptrend, clearly broken on a gap down. And what I said to Armour Insiders during the week, and what I'll say to you is, generally, a chart pattern like this will take time to develop the next entry point. I never buy the first touch. This gap down and break of the uptrend has trapped investors. So what you have now is overhead supply. If it runs back up into the 50-day moving average, some guys are now break even and they're like, oh, thank God I'm break even and they dump the stock. And so what I look for on a situation like this is a new pattern to develop, a double bottom or something like that to form that makes me comfortable enough to put capital to work again. And at this stage in the game, it's not there in Alibaba for me. How do you determine your stop loss, both when you have just bought the stock and when you have bought five months ago? Okay, and it went up, let's say at least 50%. That's a great question. Um, the Armor Investing Way on our website, if you become an Armor Insider, I literally lay it out for you, you know, chapter and verse. And I think I even did a video about this um, under the Armor Education channel on this um, YouTube channel, a playlist, right? Armor Education. You'd have to go back and look. I go over stop-loss rules and how we do it. I can't go over it right now. But um, a real quick answer to the question. 
we have three stop loss positions that we're going to use depending on the asset. It's different for each asset. We buy it. We have a stop loss discipline. We know what we're going to do to, to stop ourselves from losing money. Then when the stock goes up X percent and it changes depending on big cap stock, small cap, an index ETF, it's different. But when it reaches that X percent, we begin raising stops to um, move in averages. It's not a percentage. I don't trail real close. You can if you want. There's many different ways to do this, right? If you're a swing trader, you're going to do it different. If you're a longer-term investor, you might use, let's look at, for instance, Sprott Physical Gold. All right, I am attempting to be a long-term investor in gold. Therefore, I'm using the 200-day moving average as my final stop. Okay? If I'm a swing trader, I would have been out of spot physical gold a month ago when it broke below the 25-day moving average. Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes it's the 50-day moving average. It really just depends. And what I'll do is follow the stock up using one of my favorite moving averages, depending on the type of asset and what I'm trying to do with that asset. Okay? And when it hits that moving average, I don't just sell it. I look for behavior around the average. Right? So there's going to be an offset. It has to go X percent below that average before I step out. Okay. Those are the basics. I would encourage you to become an armor insider, pick up the phone, call me, and we can walk you through it and see how it would best fit your approach. Right. Cause everybody's different. Um, Jay, I like the weakness into strength strategy. All right, Jay, let's do it together. It works. All right. Um, Wix. What time is it now? We're coming up on um, way too much time here. I'm going to have to wrap this up. Let's see. Oh, geez, we're past an hour. So let's just a couple more questions and then we're going to wrap it up. All right. W-I-X. Got to do work on that. Don't have any information on that. And the, the chart is not really compelling to me at the moment. That looks like a rounded top. So I have to do research on it to put it on my whiteboard. I don't know if it'll make it. All right. Also, uh, oh yeah, Disney. Yeah. Well, I love I love Disney. Okay, and I'd like to own a little Disney, a little more Disney if it comes in here, back in towards the 140 area, maybe maybe on top of 138. I'll have to see somewhere in here. I'm going to want to own some Disney. Peloton. Thinking of doing options. Okay. The Peloton. I don't know. That's a very strange break right there on that uh, economy reopening ridiculousness. But honestly, it's the first test of the 50-day moving average after a rip and run. So I like to try to find an entry point into a, a, a huge up stock on the first test of the 50. But that gap is going to give me pause. Yeah, Festeroso, that's right. Greed, greed and no stops. I'm sorry your dad got killed in that stock. Um, but you, yeah, you got to use stops. All right. What are your thoughts on Palantir? And we'll end on Palantir and Lyft, okay? PLTR. First, first thought, you know, my basic rule is I don't buy something that's public only for a month. So I'm going to need to see how it uh, consolidates over the next three to six months. And I won't buy it without at least six months of data. So um, fundamentally, it, it really interests me, um, and I just have to see how it, you know, how it sets up, and, and you know, certainly keep it on our radar. And um, finish up on Lyft. You know, Lyft and Uber. I, I, I don't know, man. I, I just these these ideas don't really compel. <laughs> I don't find them compelling, even though I see the big up move there. But that's an economy reopening name, right? That's why I had the big gap up. Econ reopen. So I don't know. Um, same thing with Uber, right? Huge, you know, run gap up run because of the economy reopening story. And I guess what I would say is I think these things have to settle back down. And if they make higher lows, then I would get interested. And this will wrap it up on this thought, the economy reopening idea. I think that first move to two Mondays ago was an overreaction to a vaccine. But it does show us 
what we can expect out of these stocks as we come out of this pandemic. So what I'm expecting now is this is the first rip off the bottom for these names. What they should do is come down, find support at a higher level, make a higher low. And the next risk on buy signal is the one that I'm going to want to own. That's where my head is. I appreciate your time with me guys this weekend. It helps me organize my own thoughts. So I'm ready to go Monday morning. I look forward to seeing all you armor insiders in the slack room, bright and early 8:30 for our morning meeting. Otherwise have a great weekend, everybody take care.